Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Down. So happy to be here with you today. The music in the background is from our good buddy, Mr. Ryan O'Neill, also known as Sleeping at Last. And this is the Enneagram 7 song. Make sure you check out all of his stuff. His Atlas album is absolutely one of my very, very favorites. Today's episode is brought to you in part by our friends at International Justice Mission. Y'all have heard about IJM. They're a global nonprofit working to end slavery and violence around the world. They bring the full force of the law with them. I love that. They partner with local authorities and go into some really dark places in our world and bring justice and healing. It's been 20 years of hard work, countless miracles, amazing partners like y'all, and they have seen more than 50,000 individuals set free. Thanks to people like you who sent IJM in to rescue them. There are thousands more children, men, and women who are still waiting for rescue, and you can make a difference in their lives by becoming a freedom partner. Freedom partners give monthly so that IJM can show up month after month and rescue people from slavery and walk with survivors as they heal. So just go to IJM.org slash change lives and you can be a part of this movement for good. Again, that's IJM.org slash change lives. Today's guest on the podcast is one of our all time favorites. She was episode number eight, an OG, one of the originals with me. That means Shauna trusted me before there was anybody listening to this thing. Shauna Nequist is one of my absolute favorite authors. I mean, from her Instagram posts to her books, to her 365-day devotional. I mean, I am just a huge fan of Shauna and her husband, Aaron, and the work they do and the people that they are. Her first three books, Cold Tangerines, Bittersweet, and Bread and Wine, are some of my all-time favorites, and they have just been refreshed and recovered, and they're gorgeous. Y'all have got to see them. In fact, I felt really honored that Shauna invited me to write a little intro to Cold Tangerines. And so I'm just a huge, huge, huge fan of her work. And I think you guys are going to love, if you have not read these original books of hers, Cold Tangerines, Bittersweet, and Bread and Wine, you got to grab these new copies. This is some of my favorite writing. And I love getting to catch up with Shauna and talk to her while she's spending some time in Michigan. So here's my conversation with Shauna Nequist. Okay, Shauna, you know, the first thing I need to tell you is your first episode is like maybe the third episode of my show ever. And people listen to it every day. You're kidding. Five years later, every single day, people listen to your first episode. Oh, that's so fun. Isn't that fun? I mean, it's just amazing when you think about the difference in your life from five years ago to now in your writing life. I mean, how different does it feel thinking back that long ago? Oh, I mean, I think you always think that life is about to turn like normal for a long time, right? Like Uh, things have been crazy and there were a lot of unexpected changes, but we're about to hit a long stretch of normal. Yeah, that did not happen. It's just never true, right? Is that what we're supposed to learn about life? Is it just, it never is normal. I think that's absolutely true. Yeah. It feels that way to me. I I was with a friend last night and we were talking. I just turned 40. You did. Happy birthday. Thank you. And one of the things we were talking about is like, you know what I think I know right now is you don't, humans don't get everything they want. I feel like I've learned that. (laughs) Isn't that the worst and truest thing? Yeah. What do you know being in your 40s that you didn't know in your 30s? 
Oh, a lot, a lot. Forties are better. Really? Do you feel that yet? Is it is it too soon for you to sense that? I'm I'm I'm. It was this month. So okay. the last couple of weeks of thirty nine were pretty hard. Of yeah. just like, oh, this is really here. But then yeah. once you hit it, it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, this is fine. So so far, it's been fine. I think the run up to forty is the hard part. Yes. And then I think you hit forty, and you're like, you know what? I'm a grown up. Yeah. And I, I don't have I don't have to ask for permission about a lot of things in my life, and yeah. I get to kind of be the person I want to be in some pretty fundamental ways. I think it's anticipating it that's hardest. Mm. Yes. That I mean that has it has felt that way to me. The like, what happens when that tens digit changes? <laughs> yes. And the answer is literally nothing. Nothing, nothing. happens. <laughs> yeah, absolutely nothing. It's are like who you are. It's like the day a book comes out, nothing happens. Oh, no one knows. Will you talk about the day a book comes out? Just no one knows that nothing happens. Nothing happens. Like when they <laughs> when they talk about like an album dropping, uh-huh. a book is, it doesn't drop. It just like <laughs> quietly exists in the world and nothing happens. And if you're not JK Rowling, people weren't lining up outside the bookstore waiting for midnight. No, in you fact, just... the book part, the bookstore already put your book out because they got it two weeks ago. <laughs> totally, and you just sit around your house and think this feels sort of the same as yesterday. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Okay, I'm going to ask you two questions about me turning forty. That I'm asking, I'm spending the first forty days of forty, asking a different leader or pastor, a friend of mine, two questions. Number one, okay. when you pray sometime today, will you pray for me? That's one thing I'm asking. Yes, I would be delighted to. Thank you. And my second question is, what if you could tell me one book to add to my bookshelf? And I'm, I'm, I have a whole bookshelf set apart for these 40 books. What book would you tell me to add? Because I'm going to like order it and put your name in it as this is the book Shauna told me to read. Oh my gosh, that is such a great question. And of course, like 500. I know this is terrible to That's do to hard. people like you and I. I know. But I, I'm looking at it right now on my shelf, and the conversation we just had one minute ago is what makes me think about it. So I have a friend named John, who I have known since I was 18, uh-huh. and he has been just a dear friend of mine and then became a dear friend of Aaron's, and we've just he's been like a brother for a million years. And last week, he texted me out of nowhere and, I, and said, I'm sending you a book. You're going to love it. And it's called Life is in the Transitions. Okay. Uh-huh. In the um, and it's Bruce Filer. F-E-I-L-E-R. And I'm, I am I can't vouch for the entire thing because I'm literally like 26 pages into it. Yeah. But it's that same idea that you and I were talking about, that there's been this cultural idea for a long time that your life is either on an ascending path or a descending path, right? Like either everything's going wrong until you die or everything's <laughs> right. going like up in the right beautifully uh-huh. until you die. Uh-huh. And, he, and he says these cultural ideas are statistically not true and very troublesome. And our lives would be a lot easier if we consented to the reality that most of our lives are oscillating, Wow! right? Sometimes up and sometimes down and sometimes up and sometimes down. And he says that change comes into our lives. The longest stretches without change, we sometimes could go as about five years, Mm. but at least every five years, some major change is going to come and our lives would be easier if we weren't so darn surprised every time. Right. Like what is happening? I'm oscillating. This is terrible. Right. Oh no, this is how it is to be a human person on this earth. Yes. It's just to, and so if we live more now, my, my Enneagram sevenness, I don't ever want to think that something sad is coming. 
I just want to think we're up and to the right from here on if, out. Like we did if, it, yeah. the pandemic, we're up and to the right. And that's Absolutely. not going to be true. That's not going to be true, Annie. It's not. No. And so learning to live. Okay. I wrote it down. I'll order it and put your name in the front and put today's date as this is what you told me to read. Thank you very much. Well, and I'll keep reading it. If it, if at a certain point it turns terrible, I'll text you. Yeah. Just text me and be like, Annie, it forget it. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Um, so far, so good. You read so much, Shauna. I feel like you post about books you read a lot. What are you and I have the same 24 hours every day. What am I doing that's taking away from my reading time that you're not doing? Well, I'm going to say two right off the bat. Um, I do not work out in any way. <laughs> so I'm not proud of that. And I feel like it's pretty obvious if you see me walking down the street, but um, that's like just time that other people spend doing cardiovascular things sure. that I spend with a book. Sure. You know? Okay. Okay. Um, and then, and this is like by no means like a virtuous thing. I don't watch TV and it's not, I, and it, that's not like, because I'm trying to like be whatever. I, I like the act of reading so much more than I like watching things. Okay. The only thing I watch is, um, like if we're watching a movie with our kids. Okay. Um, and again, that's, that's not like, oh, I'm such an intellectual. The experience of reading is really like lovely and joyous for me. Mm-hmm. And so I do it more than I do and any other kind of consuming of content. Do you, so one of the reasons I love TV is it feels like an escape for me. Mm-hmm. It yeah. is one of the ways I really enjoy escaping. And as we are both sevens, as sevens, there are a, there are okay ways to have escape valves. Absolutely. <laughs> All escape isn't bad. Does reading feel that way to you? Oh, a thousand percent. Okay. Yeah, totally. Okay. Um, and I'm not anti-TV in any way. Uh, just in this season in my life, um, reading is... I, I don't know. It's like, maybe I just can't find my headphones yeah. to watch a show. And yeah. I just like my, and I read on my phone on my Kindle app. And so like, if you've got your phone, you've always got a story. I love yeah. it. Oh, that's beautiful. Is Are you doing mostly reading on Kindle? Yeah. Um, I like the, I, I mean, I, I want to be like a purist about like physical books, right? except you can't bring them all with you everywhere you go yeah. and you have your phone with you all the time. Yeah. So for me, that's what wins out. And obviously uh, back in the olden world, when <laughs> you and I both, both used to travel for work, right? <laughs> you know, like when you're doing a lot of travel to a lot of different events, you can't bring six books with you and right. your carry on. Right. And so to, the Kindle app is like my favorite technology in all of the world. And there is something for me when I'm using my phone to read, I can't use my phone for anything else. Yeah. And yeah. so they, it kind of cancels out the other distractors. Well, and I noticed that when I pick up my phone over time, I'm a lot happier if when I pick it up, it's for the Kindle mm-hmm. as opposed to like scrolling everything else. Mm-hmm. So it's a good way to like, if everyone's sitting around on their phones, I'm reading like some obscure novel, yeah. but that's actually a lot more life-giving for me than, you know, Facebook. Are you almost always reading novels? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I do read other things. I read a lot of memoir. I read a lot, read a lot of food writing. Uh, but mostly novels. That's like my first love. Can we talk about food writing? Because I'm such a fan of reading cookbooks. I love reading cookbooks. So what are some of your favorites? I just finished reading through Vegetables Illustrated from Cooks Illustrated and the America's Test Test Kitchen. Yes. My gosh. That's great. I, I just love it. So that's one of mine. I just read Laura Lee Balanced here in Nashville. I just read hers. And Anthony from Queer Eye. I loved oh, yeah. his. 
So those awesome. are the three that are sitting in my kitchen right now because I just finished reading them. Oh, I love it. Those are great. What are you reading? Do you have favorites? I just got a couple that I really love. Um, I love Melissa Clark. She lives in Brooklyn. She uh -huh. has um, written for the New York Times for a long time. She has an older book called In the Kitchen with a Great Appetite, oh, which is a great, a great title. title great right? title. And you know how sometimes you meet like a food twin where you're like, <laughs> all of the things that you love are things that I love. That's still how I'm hoping I marry, Shauna. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know what, Annie? That's a good thing to put on your list because Aaron and I have a lot going for us. We are not food twins. Yeah. Oh. Not at all. Oh, interesting. No. You know what? He cannot even be in the same room with a tomato or an olive. And those are like my my twin that loves so of my life. That is so surprising. Yes. I know. I know. It's I'm a difficult road for that. us. Yes. Okay, keep going on food writing. So um, Melissa Clark just has a had a cookbook come out this summer or this spring called Dinner in French. And so I love French food. I love French culture. And she puts kind of a Brooklyn spin on mm -hmm. French dining, which is just lovely. And then Julia Tertian has a book called Now and Again. And her concept, this is my favorite, her concept is nextovers, uh -huh. kind of a spin on leftovers. Yeah. So it's like you make, I don't know what, you know, you know, you make, you pan, uh, brown a pan of ground beef and you yes. use it one way, but then the next way, the next day you use it another way. The next day you combine it with different things and use it a different way. And right. that is totally the way I cook and eat. Mm -hmm. And so, and I love her. So Julia Tertian's now and again, she did a lot of Gwyneth Paltrow's cookbooks. She did a lot oh, of the okay. like recipe developing and testing and they're really great. Yeah. We just, I mean, is a, is a cookbook in your heart, in your future? Is it something you could see yourself doing? Oh, I hope so. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd love to write fiction and I'd love to write a cookbook. Those are like two of my great dreams. Mm -hmm. Shauna, I'm working on my first novel and it is- You are? It is so hard. <laughs> it is so hard. <laughs> Tell me about this. Yeah. It, it doesn't come out till 23 okay. because of how, you know, how all this goes, how books yeah. release and da, da, da. So currently it's slated to come out in the start of 2023, but I have to write it right now because it takes so long to edit and so long to write. But I'll tell you the honest truth. And I think you and I are built very similar in this is that every day when I sit down to write, I am watching the movie in my head. Totally. Like I just watch the scenes, but that's how I write my nonfictions too, is sure, I watch sure. it in my head first. Sure. So yeah, but it is a different beast. I don't, I don't think I have a cookbook in me, but I hope I have some, some more novels in me. I love that. I can't wait to I think read it's it. fun. I feel like I'm surprised you, or do you work on one like on the side? I feel like you, you've talked about I that should. before maybe. I yeah. definitely should. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Annie, I should be writing. <laughs> yeah, there's so many things I should be writing. <laughs> okay, so have you been writing more when y'all have been in Michigan this summer? Uh, I go in spurts. Yeah. You know, there's enough other work in publishing to just always be oh, catching up on. Just always. Right. And um, I've had a couple projects that needed to um, finish. And then also, you know, our kids are out of school. So, yeah. so no, not getting just anything done. But yeah. it, you know. It was such a weird spring and for them doing like uh, distance learning and online learning and they stayed in school all the way till the end of June. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, and, and what so grades we were, are the boys now? So they just finished uh, third and seventh. Okay. So they're going into fourth and eighth. Okay. Yeah. And when, what made y'all decide to, when was the point where you're like, we need to leave our, you have a beautiful home in New York. We need to leave Aww. our place in New York and we need to go to Michigan. You know, it was a very quick decision. We have, I have a dear friend in New York who's a lifelong New Yorker and a very like kind of maternal mama bear presence. Yeah. And she was kind of my touchstone. I was like, what is happening here in the city and in the world right now? Like, yeah. it, it, I was, you know, 
none of us have ever been through this before. And obviously she hadn't either, but I was like, what is happening? And so she called one day and she said, hey, today's the day that if you have an option to leave the city, you should do it. Um, and I was like, really? Wow. And, and we talked about it and called some other friends and put some pieces together and we, and then we did. And, you know, we would have been fine there. We had friends who stayed through the whole thing. Absolutely. It felt like the right decision for us at the time. And we're really so like just profoundly beyond grateful to have the opportunity. Mm -hmm. Um, it's been wonderful to be here. And also we're really, really excited to go back. Are you, are you like ready to get back? Yeah, totally. Yes. Tell me about living in New York. You know, it's my secret dream life I always have in my head is living up there near y'all. But what what's it how's it been good for you and your family? It has been amazing. And I always talk to people uh, not always. It, it, well, it's funny, you know, people either say, they say one of two things. They either say I love to visit, but I could never live there. Uh-huh. Which is like kind of a weird thing to say to someone who lives there, you know? <laughs> right, right. I'm like, I don't say that about your town. <laughs> right. You know? I didn't say that about you. <laughs> Keep it to yourself. <laughs> um, we thought it was just like impossible. Like who does that? What are we, a movie? Yeah. But it's, you know, you have to work hard to make it feasible financially. That's definitely the hardest part. Mm-hmm. But if you can kind of find, make that math work, every other part of it is just a joy. Um, really? It's, it, and it's, um, it's like the, the, I mean, what everybody talks about the energy, it's like, you're being swept up into a big story all the time. And, mm-hmm. um, that mm-hmm. it's really exciting and it's very life-giving and the access to creativity and the arts is just bonkers. Yeah. Um, so one of the things we did our first year is there were a lot of things we decided not to spend money on, but we got a lot of, not a lot, like three or four uh, museum memberships. And we said, this is what we're going to do on a random Saturday when we wake up and have no plans or when friends come in town or whatever, we're going to support this city. And we're going to be a part of this city by becoming members of these museums. And we're to go, you know, once you're a member, you can go for an hour at a time or on your way to dinner or on your way after dinner. And we said like, these are going to be our places. And that's been so fun to know that my kids know their way around a couple of big museums. Um, and they have their favorites and their favorite spots and the places they want to show their friends. I love that. What has it been like for you in the food world there? Oh my gosh. I, I can't mean, imagine. It's just that you have, we have to like set goals. Like <laughs> we are eating at home no matter what today and tomorrow and the next day. I don't care who's coming in town. I don't care who scores an amazing reservation. Like we have to eat at home sometimes. <laughs> Um, or that would be just, my problem. It's so hard. There's just great food on every corner yes. and it's exciting and interesting. Yeah. We, uh, definitely had to have conversations about like, look me in the eye and tell me we're having dinner. At home <laughs> <laughs> we have to do this. I mean, totally. I just feel like one of the things I love about New York is on every street, you can find any kind of restaurant you want. You could go as healthy or as unhealthy as you want. Your specific, particular, weird way you like to eat, there's a restaurant like that, and you can probably get there on foot. Oh, absolutely. It's just amazing. It is so fun. And that that's a part of it we really, really love. And that we love sharing with our kids, yeah. you know. Um, they're getting uh, a great education on a very with a kind of very global set of influences. We love that. What are you hearing as people are going back into the city and and COVID, thank God, has calmed a bit in New York? What are you hearing culturally it's like that different than when you left? A lot of people are saying, you know, because 
um, the virus hit New York so hard initially, New York is sort of like, they've got this down now, right? Like they know how to do the safety protocols in a lot of different ways and people are doing it and they're embracing it. And um, it feels our friends there are saying it feels a lot safer there than it is in the other parts of the country that they've been in recently, where there's a little less shared sense Mm -hmm. of what we're all doing Mm -hmm. together. Right. Um, The next hurdle certainly will be figuring out the school side of things, which is just, I mean, everybody's trying to figure that out right now. Um, I don't envy the principals in New York City right now trying to make that work. That feels really challenging. No, I think. But they're great. Keeping people safe and taking care of children who are in unsafe or unsustainable home situations. I don't know how you do it. I I, totally feel for those, for teachers and for administrators. I think about them every day. How do you do this? I, in general, am just such a fan of teachers and educators and administrators. Like my emails to them are always like, hi, I love you. I support what you do. I respect (laughs) you. Um, I have just one tiny question that I'm so sorry. And now it's like 10 times that. Like, I see what what you're carrying and I hate to bother you. And yeah. What makes you, so this is an opportunity for you guys to go, you know what? New York was so great. We're going to stay in Michigan or we're going to go elsewhere. Mm -hmm. What makes you go back? We thought about it. No, no, we didn't. We opened the conversation. Sure. Um, like, hey, obviously, like uh, we want to be the kind of people that say life is unfolding in really unexpected ways and we want to be paying attention. Is this the time to say New York was a very short season for us and we're on to the next thing? And we were like, no, nope, we're not done there. Yeah. We're, we were just at the beginning of an adventure there. And we are, uh, we would be delighted to spend 10 more years there or 20 yeah. more years there. We, yeah. we don't. The other thing is we don't have a sense of where that other place would be at all. Right. Like, where do we want to be? We want to be in New York. Yeah. And the other, the thing that really turned it for me, um, I was a little bit nervous that we would come back here. You know, Michigan's really familiar to our kids. They've been coming here all their lives. I was afraid that they'd get here and decide this is home. Mm. Like, okay, now, now we're back in Michigan and it's familiar and it's a place we've always been. Now we're home. And the exact opposite happened. They were wow. like, I miss New York. I miss our apartment. I miss the meatball shop. I miss the Empire <laughs> Diner. I mean, you know, I, they miss our neighborhood like really badly. Yeah. And so Aaron and I, and Aaron and I feel the same way, but had they been, had our boys been like, I can't go back, we would have taken that very seriously. Sure. They're the ones like, I think Henry's going to walk to New York if we don't take him back. <laughs> so, which is amazing. Like you move a kid in the middle of sixth grade. That's yeah so hard it it, both our kids really feel like that's their home and I'm thrilled I mean they look like they're thriving yeah even like in their passions like Henry's making movies totally (laughs) it's so cool it's just amazing to think man that that the way the Lord tells the whole story that part of it ended up with the way you could see your kids thriving in their own personal way was to move you to New York City I know. And I think that's a funny thing. There's a, there's kind of a narrative that like, you know, kids have to live in the suburbs Yeah, and, um, there, we definitely had some people tell us kind of in no, no, like, how dare you do this to your kids? Mm. And we really felt, I mean, it was just, it was a decision we made after spending multiple long stretches of time there. Our kids knew what it was going to be like. They were excited about it. They love it there and the creative opportunities there for them are just incredible. So I'm not saying it's for every family, but it's not for no families. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's the way to say it. It's not for every family, but it's not for no families. Yeah. (laughs) So between New York and Michigan, you have been writing some because like your first three books get to come out again with new covers and new intros. 
Yes. And that's been a really fun project. Yeah. So what's the the why behind all that? What's the fun of that for you? So, um, I mean, essentially that like the really, uh, I think the way they, they explained it really nicely, but it's basically like, you've been writing for so long and you're so old that, (laughs) (laughs) um, and frankly, you're so behind on this next book, um, that we think these books can be introduced to essentially a new generation of readers. And I was like, I mean, if you believe in that, I'd, I'd be happy to, if, if, yeah. I mean, basically if your publisher says we want to work on your behalf to get your book in the hands of more people, I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. sign me up. That sounds, that's what a huge compliment. Yeah. I mean, Shauna, do you remember, I, it's fine if you don't, I mean, do, when cold tangerines came out in 2007, maybe 2008, mm-hmm. yeah. you, I mean, people, I don't know that people know how hard you hustled. You like, <laughs> if you bought a case of books, if someone bought a case of books, you would come to their town. Oh yeah. We and so joke you came about here. It. Yeah. Yeah. And my friend Marissa hosted you here. Yeah. And uh-huh. it is, I, I mean, just no, everyone thinks everyone, everyone thinks people with publishing deals are on a, like a rocket that shoots off to the space and they don't know oh, how no. hard you hustle in the background. I was on like a 10 speed bike. Yes. I was not on a rocket. I was definitely, <laughs> yeah, I was slow and steady times 1 million. Yeah. Are you happy to see these come back out? You know, I am. I think I feel an interesting, um, they feel like time capsules, you yeah, know, like yeah. that's a, that's a me that, uh, she existed, but, but she's, you know, um, I got an email from someone recently that said, I just read Cold Tangerines and it really connected with me because I also just had a baby and I realized, oh, oh, <laughs> She doesn't know that that tiny, tiny baby is about to be 14 years old. Right, right. You know? But I mean, that's like, I don't read books only that only came out this year. That's right. You know, they're not, it, it, I think good books, and I hope these can be called good books, yes, are not, they are. Um, they're not current events based. You don't have to be unfolding them in real time. These are feelings and experiences that happen and that we can connect with in between decades and in between generations. And so I think it's a huge compliment that people are still able to connect with them. Hey, just interrupting our conversation with Shauna to tell you about some of our partners and friends like over at Freshly, you guys. I know we're all eating at home more than we ever have before. And I used to think that eating better at home meant like I had to research recipes for a long time and make a lot of trips to the grocery store and tons of meal prep, but then (laughs) I met Freshly. They understand that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple. Let's be honest, it's just not easy, and I don't want to do it all the time, and if it doesn't taste good, I'm definitely not eating it. But with Freshly, you can avoid the grocery store and enjoy fully prepared dinners delivered fresh, not frozen, right to your door. Put your feet up and relax. Freshly's chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes, and dinner is done. Imagine better for you, like golden oven fried chicken, y'all, it's so good, creamy springtime risotto, or fall apart tender beef brisket. That's just a few of the 30 plus health conscious options for you to choose from. Freshly is offering our friends, you guys, $40 off for your first two orders. Just go to freshly.com slash sounds fun. Again, that's freshly, F-R-E-S-H-L-Y dot com slash sounds fun. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends at GiveWell. 
I love what Gidwell does, you guys, because every year millions across the globe suffer from easily preventable diseases. And this year, because of coronavirus, more people will be in need. And if you're in a position to give and want to help and try to support charities where your next donation can be safe and improve lives the most, that's the mission of GiveWell.org. For over 10 years, GiveWell.org has helped donors find the charities and projects that save and improve lives the most per dollar. Okay, here's how it works. I think this is so cool. GiveWell dedicates over 20,000 hours a year researching charitable organization and handpicks a small set of the highest impact evidence-backed charities. GiveWell isn't asking for your donations for themselves. They're asking you to give to the amazing charities they recommend, like Helen Keller International and Against Malaria Foundation. Plus, GiveWell takes no fees, so all of your tax-deductible donations will be used to help others. You know, around here, we love partnering with Compassion International, with Christian Appalachian Project, and I love that GiveWell shows you exactly a good fit for your money and make sure that your money is going toward helping people's lives improve the absolute most. In fact, GiveWell, since 2010, has helped over 50,000 donors direct over $500 million to the most effective charities. Most importantly, these donations have led to over 75,000 lives saved and improved the lives of millions more. If you want to have even more impact, donate soon. All of our friends, all of you guys who become new GiveWell donors will have their first donation matched up to $100. You guys, when you select podcast and that sounds fun at checkout, they are going to match your $100. And this matching offer is good for as long as funds last. So let's go. Get your first donation matched up to $100 when you select podcast and that sounds fun at givewell.org. And now back to the show. Shauna, so this leads me to it. This will be great for any of our friends out there who are thinking about writing books or writing books. I just had to read, I got to read an audiobook of my first book. Oh, and fun. yeah, it's very fun. But also when I read back every word of it out loud, I thought, man, I'm different. Like totally. I'm not this same person. How do you come around that these books exist? Like cold tangerines or like my first ones too, where I go, well, I'm not quite her anymore. And she and this book represents that season, but it may not be mm-hmm. the Annie you meet on Instagram. Oh, absolutely. I think that's actually a really important thing to talk about because I think sometimes there's a temptation both on the part of readers, but also on the part of like um like marketing and um uh-huh. it's easy for them to want to kind of freeze you as like a mood board of yourself. Oh, right. That's right. Yep. And I understand that that makes it easier to sell books and it makes it easier to connect with a person because you're seeing it all on one pretty little board, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that's just not how humans are. Right. One of the things that I decided a long time ago, so I had a favorite writer and I will not tell you who she is because I was going to say something that's not super nice. Okay. Um, <laughs> but I, I sensed that she was becoming a better writer with every book, but I couldn't always tell if she was becoming a better human. Mm. Wow. And I want... I wanted that. And and experiencing that made me say, this is my promise to anyone who picks up any of with every book, I will become a better writer and a better human yeah. or it won't come out. Yeah. That's my job. That's really good. It doesn't mean you'll like it better. It doesn't mean you'll agree with me on more things or less things, but I'm going to do my work mm-hmm. to be a better writer and a better human along the way. And I think the way to become a better human is to change. Yes. 
So I think that first, uh, that book that you just read should feel really different. It should feel like a time capsule. Mm -hmm. If it was like, oh, I am just exactly the same as I was all those years ago. I don't think that's how our lives are supposed to unfold. Right. It just, and it, I've heard friends of mine who want to start writing say, but what if I don't agree with myself in 10 years? Oh, you won't. And you won't. That's what I said. You won't. (laughs) You absolutely won't. There were words and things I wanted to change as I read the audiobook. And I was like, no, that 26-year-old Annie was doing Mm -hmm. the very best she could with what she had. And and you honor her by not changing her words when you're 39 reading the audiobook. I totally agree. There are, there are things I've said on, uh, you know, like in at events and on stages and things I've said on social media and things I've said in books that I, I no longer, oh, that's like, that's not what I think or feel or believe. And that's just how it is to yeah. be a person who is putting things out into the world and also changing. And we yes. just have to let each other do that. Yes. And, and yet we can pick up Cold tangerines. We can pick up bittersweet. What's the third one? Bread and wine that they're recovering? Yeah. Yeah. <gasps> bread and wine. Ugh, you know, bread and wine had me on the floor. I loved it so much. Oh, was, thank oh, you. Gosh. I, you know, I think we've talked about this, but we shared an editor at the time and she sent me bread and wine and said, this is the best book you can read if you want to be a better writer. I was like, oh, I hear you talking about me, but I mostly hear you saying how great <laughs> Shauna is. So <laughs> I'll just say that you're trying to versus her being like, hey, could you? do this all better than you do oh but no. i mean That's the thing to say though those three coming back out there there's so much to be gained for those friends of ours who haven't read those first ones because it is a when you're first having kids when you're first mm-hmm. married when when you first walk through some real intense disappointments mm-hmm. when you have to come off the road a little bit mm-hmm. and yep. and I, I think people reading that no matter what they're at in their life that still speaks to them. And I find that true. That's why I don't read brand new books all the time. I love reading books by dead people. Oh, absolutely. They still mattered. And people are people, mm-hmm. you know, pain is the same. Joy is the same. Getting over disappointment is the same. Yeah. I mean, we're all walking through the same stuff. And so it doesn't have to have happened all at the same time in order for it to be really valuable to us. How do you see the publishing industry changing from when you started? Oh, I mean, I think if you and your young readers or listeners can even imagine this world, blogs were sort of a fledgling, funny little thing and social media, (laughs) social media existed, but not in a kind of platform based influence based way. It was like people were just starting to get Facebook accounts. That's it. Like, um, and so the, the kind of platform question was really different then Mm -hmm. it was, you know, we, we joke about it, but I went to every MOPS group in Illinois, Indiana, and Michigan. I promise. If there was a MOPS group in any of those three states that I didn't hit, I'd be shocked. And I brought my cardboard box of books and my little envelope of cash. And that was how you did it. Yes. And so, and and the, the internet side of it was a very fledgling kind of side part of it. It was not the central thing. And I feel like I watched that transition happen book to book. Oh, wow. I feel like Cold Tangerines was small events. Bittersweet was uh, larger, like church-based events. And then um, Bread and Wine was really the first one that was, we depended heavily on the internet, but mostly on food bloggers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I'm thinking about my friends who are just starting writing. And I would love for you to talk about this as well, this idea of, 
of what built in you by doing the footwork of that first book. Cause I'm, I, the only reason I can do what I do today is because of the footwork I did with my first book. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what was it like for you? How was that? Why would that matter to a new author today? Even if they have a platform and have a publishing deal, why does it matter to like go to all the mops groups or go to all the college groups or, and really meet all the people on the other side of your reading? Well, it's a couple different things. Some of it is you only get good. I think, I, especially in terms of public speaking, I think there are some people who have more innate giftedness or aptitude than others, but I don't think it's like singing where like you're right. born with a gift. Like I think <laughs> right. you you might have a couple, a little bit of a head start based on your personality or whatever. You just get good by doing it. That's it. Yeah. And you just do it and do it and do it and do it. It's one of the things that I, in my life, there's no like big jumps ahead. There's no shortcuts. Right. You just learn to be your own self in front of people by doing it like 1 million times Yep. in small rooms, in big rooms, when you've been set up to win, when you've been set up to fail, when like you just kind of have to muscle it out and then your muscles learn along the way. That's and right. so I, I think sometimes I've, I've run into friends who've had like amazing internet success and then they end up with like a killer speaking engagement and they're like, I don't know how to do it. You know? <laughs> right, right. But why would they? That's totally okay. It's understandable. Yes. But I'm really grateful that I got to learn. I mean, I spoke in college classrooms with people like sleeping on their desks, not even pretending to look at me. Uh, yep. I like lots of living rooms, lots of backyards, lots of all of it. And it you learn those skills and then you keep them with you forever. So I think that's one part of it. The other part of it is writing and making any creative work is about connection. And I can remember names and faces from all over the country for all of those years. People who opened their homes to me, people who came to those events, people who helped me, um, you know, carry the books back out to the car afterwards. But, you know, it's a very physical, relational you know, it's, there were not green rooms. I did not have like a host who brought me things, you know, and it just, it, it gives you, you're you're connecting with people and real time. You're understanding what matters to them and what doesn't. Yes. You know, you can tell like what connects. Yeah. This part of what I'm talking about, nobody cares about this part. (laughs) Cool. Cool. Good data. Cool. 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 Taking it out of my notes before next weekend. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, I think you probably feel this when you travel, in some ways we're all the same and people are people, but like regional differences really matter. Oh, they're so real. A denominational differences really matter. Generational differences. I mean, yep. what a room feels like in Southern California versus Northern Michigan versus Texas versus like it, the, where we live and how we live really shapes us. Mm-hmm. And if you're always writing only from one place or only via the internet, mm-hmm. um, I think you can sometimes miss some of the particularities and specificities of other people's lives and traveling really helps you hold on to that. And how I just think the, I was listening to another woman teach uh, over the weekend and my friend who was with me said, what do you think? And I was like, she is so good and she will be so good when she has more reps. Like when you just get, you just, when the muscle gets stronger, you just, the more you get on a stage, whether there's 10 people in the crowd or whether there's 10,000, you just got to get more reps. Yep. And um, I don't know if you feel this. A lot of times smaller is harder. Oh, for sure. I think smaller mm-hmm. is harder. Yes. Mm-hmm. Shauna, yep. I went to a comedy show last night for that was a live stream. So there was only 20 of us in the audience, all social distanced and oh all gosh. with masks on. 
Uh-uh. And the comedian, Trey Kennedy, I was like, afterwards, I was like, buddy, I've never known, I've never been more impressed with someone ever that you mm-hmm. did a whole hour of stand-up to 20 people, social distance with masks on. I mean, that is building your muscles. Absolutely. Can you imagine? No. 20 pages. <laughs> I was like, I'm laughing. His jokes were very funny. Also, I was giving my best because. Oh, yeah. I was like, he I, needs to hear us. I find that speakers and live musicians, when they're in the audience, they're like, it is my full-time job to respond (laughs) to you. Like I I did a tour. It was me and then a musician. And she would sit in the second row and like nod her head off her shoulders. Uh And like halfway through the tour, I was like, you don't have to do that anymore. She's like, yes, it is. This is a part of what we do. If you've been up on that stage, you owe it to the other people, to the person who's on the stage to like eye contact, nod. Yeah. Yeah. So some of our friends who are listening now are, you know, we don't know when we fly again. We don't know when conferences happen again. How do you build those muscles right now? If you want to be a better speaker and writer, how would you build those muscles right now when we can't? fly to Kalamazoo and do their women's conference? Um, Well, I would say a couple things. The people that I have spoken with in like the, on the like speaker side of things, they're, you know, and I think initially when all of this happened, people were like, okay, everything's going to go virtual for a couple months and then we'll be back up and running live. And I'm hearing a lot more like this might change the way we do presentations and live events for quite a long time, if not forever. Yes. And so, um, the, one of the, uh, there's a team that I'm a part of doing some speaking and presentations and they kind of said like, now is the moment to, um, learn both the technology and the speaking skills for like zoom via the laptop, mm. get a good mic, um, get a good camera, figure yeah. out if you need a good backdrop or a green screen or an ice light or whatever all these things are. I'm not great at it, but I'm learning it. Yep. And practice doing the zoom stuff the way you would practice doing live events yep. um, because that's um, going to be a really important part of the next couple of years. So it's worth figuring that out now. And it's very strange. I don't know if you find this, but um, I get tired. Uh, I just did like a sermon for a friend of mine's church and I did a yeah. big presentation a couple of weeks ago um, without the live energy. Oh You're gosh. just like pouring yourself into a screen. I got done and I was like, I think I need to go to the hospital. <laughs> I'm so tired. <laughs> Something broke. Something broke in me. <laughs> yeah. I'm empty. I'm on empty, guys. That's right. But it gets easier. Yeah. It, it gets easier over time. And so if you're like, oh my gosh, I was just about to learn how to do the live speaking thing. And now I can't mm-hmm. learn the virtual speaking thing. I think it's really valuable. Yeah. And then you'll find some of the skills, not all of them, but some of them do transfer. Yes. I and think then so. the, the writing thing, good writing begets good writing begets good writing. Just put as many words down on paper as possible every single day and you will get better. And then read voraciously Mm-hmm. and share your work. I think a lot of times people write for too many years without ever sharing it. And then when they start sharing it, it feels so precious and scary and raw. And I think one thing, I'm sure this has happened to you, right? Like publishing, nothing is precious, nothing. right? Yes. People will be like, yeah, this is fine. I cut it in half and then yeah. I burn the <laughs> You're like, okay. Right. You're like that title you've been dreaming of. It's not totally. going to be the title of the book. So I know you totally. dreamed that this is the one book you're ever going to write. And that's not the title. I think people, yeah. I think sometimes people think if you're further along in your writing career, people stop putting their fingers in your work. I think it's the exact opposite. (laughs) It's the opposite. You're right. I mean, I think like, I am just 
it's like when you talk about people like losing all sense of modesty, like with my writing, I'm like, what do you think? Uh, cut it, start yeah. over. Yeah. Uh, like I'm so used to people's voices and perspectives and feedback and criticism and it makes you better. Mm -hmm. So the sooner you can start sharing your work and getting really comfortable with feedback of any kind, even if it's emailing pieces back and forth with a friend or yeah. starting an online writing group, yeah. the more you can feel not precious about your drafts, the better your writing will be. Yes, that's right. The, the taking it out of, I this is the best three paragraphs I've ever written, but I can't let anybody see it. Totally. Like you, no, you just gotta start getting them, getting them out there. I do feel like Shauna, you can totally disagree with me on this, and you'll be right. But I just <laughs> feel like maybe part of what God is offering to us in this really weird, unprecedented times, as people like to say, mm, I've never heard that. And, right? It's, it's it's a new word I'm dropping for you. <laughs> is maybe there are just going to be more opportunity for more voices to express themselves locally instead yeah. of a few voices globally. Absolutely. And I would say I am always excited about and hoping for more new voices. I yeah. think we need more stories for more people from more backgrounds, from more traditions. Um, I think we need young voices. I think we need global voices. So I think um, if some of what's happening is a little bit of an openness for new voices, as opposed to the, the ones who can you know command an arena, I think that'd be really healthy and exciting. I'd love that. Yeah, I would love that. I just think maybe there's going to be a way that all these women that and men that you and I know sit in audiences and watch us and go, I maybe could do that. They're going to be like, well, actually, Annie and Shauna can't fly here. So can you do that? Because <laughs> we need people locally who can who can stand up and do the speaking and do the writing until airplanes work again like they should. Absolutely. And, you know, I understand that like conferences or live events or whatever, you can only fit a certain amount of people on one stage, right? right. Like there is a finite number there. That's really not true with books at all, yep, right? Yep. It's not like, hey, we're only going to publish 12 books this year. Sorry, you're not one of them. Right. There were, like publishing of all the industries right now is actually doing great. Yep. And um, I never think to myself like, oh, well, I've read all the books I want. Now I'm done. <laughs> you know? So uh, the idea of, we joke about it. My editor, Carolyn always says like, I think you think you're an acquisitions editor. <laughs> I'm always like, you know who you should sign, you know who you should sign, you know, or, and my I agent too. I'm like, oh. you know who you should work with, you know who you should, he's like, uh-huh. I do guy. the same to my agent. I'm like, listen, I had a phone call today. I just need mm -hmm. you to hear me out. I think you're going to yeah. like this person. <laughs> Totally. Because the world needs more great stories, yes. right? It doesn't take anything away from me or from you for another great story in the world to be told. Yes. It makes my life better. Yes. I get to read your book. I love that. That is, Shauna, that feels like one of the things when I think about my 40s, I said to someone recently, I feel like I got to spend my 30s getting to know the publishing industry and and getting to know the people in it and growing up in it. And now I feel like, well, now that I'm in my 40s, let me go to those friends I've made and tell them about new people that I know of. Oh, like, that is what that's one of the things I spend most of my energy on. Really? Like, yeah, I love it. I um, I'm very serious about the amount of, I do the absolute maximum amount of endorsements and forwards. I read a lot of manuscripts. I pass on a lot of emails. It's really important to me to be a generous participant in the writing community. So yes. many people did that for me. Yep. Me and too. I think there is an expectation that it's in inherently competitive. Mm. My, ex I mean, I have like maybe 
two experiences in, you know, 15 plus years that felt genuinely competitive in a bad way. And everything else has felt like there's, there's always room for more and let's support each other and let's cheer each other on. And it's really important to me to be a part of that. Yeah. Yeah. You're a much better friend to the industry than I am. Cause I just, I can't get through all the books that people ask us to endorse. And oh, so, I can't. And yeah, I can't do them all every time. But yeah. it's a, it's it's like when I think about my job, that's a part of my job. Yes. Yeah. That's. So, are you? Do you read things? Are you always reading fiction and nonfiction? Yeah. 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 And yeah. I read a lot. Uh, I read several different things at a time. Oh gracious! And that's why you have to have it on your Kindle because you got to be able exactly. to flip back and forth, Just flip around. You're yeah. really getting me excited about trying around on that on my Kindle app on my phone. <laughs> I'm like, I have not done that enough. And, and I need to quit judging people that I'm watching scroll on their phone in a waiting room. Cause what if they're reading my book? Well, you know what? That's one of the things I actually, in the back of my head, one of, I always tease Aaron's cause you know, Aaron, he's like a, um, in a lot of ways, he's a very serious person. Like he yes. reads a lot of like theology and yeah. quantum physics and, <sighs> and so, but there are times when he's like, you know, totally in his iPad, like completely, uh-huh. totally. And I don't want to bother him because I'm like, he's like, I don't know, solving the world's problems. And then I come around the corner and I realize he's totally playing Candy Crush. Right. Like what is happening? Or I don't know, creeps or something. <laughs> and so I realized it made me like a little self-conscious. Now I'm always telling my kids, like I'm reading, I'm reading you guys. I'm yeah. Reading a book. You guys don't worry. I'm, not, I'm reading. I don't, I'm not on Twitter. I'm reading a book. <laughs> Can we talk a minute about Aaron? Cause I love that y'all are both creating such good spiritual direction content for us. Thank you. I just think his new podcast is so good. Yeah. He's really, really good at that. Yes. How, how did, how does your writing and his work, where do they meet? Where is the middle ground between your like rich vocabulary, like mood driven memoir and his like spiritual direction and contemplation? probably we would be, we're the worst two people to like analyze that. Cause it's just like how our life has always been. You know, yeah. we met, we met working on staff at a church and we were on the same team and he was the worship leader and I was like the creative producer. Um, and so we've worked in the same offices and on the same teams and around the same tables and like built the same events. Yeah. And then also there were several years where I was doing like the writing and traveling and speaking and he was in a local church and we would support each other, you know, that way. And then yeah. now in some ways our work is more similar in that we're both like freelance, not working at a church, but we do do really different things. And, and then sometimes we do things together, which is really fun, but I don't think we have any, we are each other's biggest fans and most honest sounding boards. Mm. And it, we really, but I would say neither of us think the other should be more like us, you know, like, I'm not like, you know, what would be great, Aaron, is if you added a recipe, you know, (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, and he's, he's not like, you know, you should be um, quoting so-and-so, you know, Um, but it's really, really fun. Um, I know sometimes it's difficult in a partnership when your work lives are so different and you kind of only see the good side Mm -hmm. and not the hard side, especially like the traveling stuff, right? Um, So many of my friends, whether it's the husband or the wife, that's traveling, that part seems really like amazing and glamorous. Yeah. And then the person who's home is like, ah, right. <laughs> right. We've both done it enough to know there are moments of the traveling life that are like so fun and amazing. And there are also parts that are like, 
really buggy and difficult. Yeah. Um, and so we, I think we can empathize really well with each other about the ups and downs of both our jobs. Sure. We are both very clear eyed about what the challenges are and what the benefits are. You know, I've told you this before about traveling, but that chapter in Bread and Wine, I think, where you talk about being in the hotel room with the cupcakes. <laughs> I, yes. I photocopied that, forgive me, Aww. and handed it to three or four of my friends. I was like, if I need you to know what it's like for me when I'm away mm-hmm. from y'all. I was mm-hmm. like, I don't know that I could explain this better than what Shauna said in these two thousand in this two thousand word chapter. So I just Aww, need you to go read that. Thank you. So yeah, the the road life and working it out between people at home and people on the road is fascinating. And we'll see if we get to do it again. I hope we get to do it again to some degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and some people like it more than others, and it suits sure. some people better than others. And there's some seasons where it works better than others. So it's not a all or nothing kind of thing. Yeah. Well, is there anything we didn't talk about that you want to talk about today, Shauna? I do want to talk about fall in New York, but let's save that for YouTube. Because I want to see your face when you tell me about (laughs) a bouquet of sharpened pencils like in You've Got Mail. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So is there anything else, though? Is there anything else you want to make sure we cover? No, not at all. This is, you're you're great. Do anything you want. I know it's so, I mean, it's so easy talking to you. That's the joy of this. Oh, same. Okay, the last question we always ask. Because the show is called That Sounds Fun, tell me what you are doing for fun right now. Well, as we are in Michigan and it is July, um, we go swimming in Lake Michigan every single day, every day, every day. Um, and, and I love it and it's how I grew up and, um, I like, I spent my childhood in a wet swimsuit with fan with Sandy feet and now I'm doing it with my kids (laughs) and. So there are some days when the water's really calm and we swim all the way up to the sandbar. And there are some days when the waves are really big and we body surf. And there are some days when we take the paddle boards out and some days when we just do a sandcastle, but, um, being outside and being on or near the water is like just my favorite thing on earth. And yeah. so, you know, you know, parenting, there's a lot of things that my kids want to do, especially cause they're boys where I'm like, I don't want to do that. Like I will, <laughs> uh, I, I will, but I'm digging deep on this one, yes. you know? And, um, mom, can we go swimming is like an automatic yes. Every time. That's one of the, one of the things about parenting. I I'm the mom who will always go in the water. Does y'all's house, like, are y'all right on the lake? So you can just go like, yeah, put your suits on. Here we go. And just walk right out. You just run down the stairs. Oh, that's great. Am I making up that isn't there a great ice cream place right near y'all? There sure is. It's called Sherman's. Yes. And it is over a hundred years old (gasps) and it is a total, just like quintessential part of of the part of Michigan that we live in. Yeah, it's awesome. Between y'all and Kelly Hampton, do you know Kelly oh, Hampton? I do. She's great. She's wonderful. Between the two of y'all's summer family trips to Michigan, I'm always like, are we all supposed to go to Michigan in the summer? It seems totally. perfect. People always joke with both of us about it. Like, are you two being paid by the Michigan yes, tourism? Yes, because you like, make not. it look. No, I promise we're not. <laughs> That's how when I when I read the first essay in Cook's Illustrated magazine, the guy used to write all the time about Vermont because that's where he lives. And I was like, Vermont has to be giving you a little kickback because all I want to do is go to Vermont. (laughs) Isn't that funny? I know. And that's what y'all have done to me about summers in Michigan. Well, it's great. And, you know, I will say um, there are, you know, 48, not that many, a lot of weeks of the year where the the weather in Michigan is truly a challenge. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Not easy. Not quite Uh, as easy. You know, but summer in Michigan is just like a dream. And we, you know, we never expected to get to spend this much time here this summer. And it certainly wasn't what we planned, but I am 
soaking up every second of it. Yeah. When Aaron and I got to go the same little retreat hangout time together a couple of years ago in Michigan in September, I was like, yes, this is the most beautiful. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was just really, really special. So, um, well, Shauna, I'm grateful for you. Thank you for doing this today. I can't wait for our friends to get the new covers and the new copies. And I, didn't I write, I wrote the forward for, you did, which one bittersweet? No. I read them both. I loved them both. I bet I wrote the Ford for Cold Tangerine. I would have said Cold Tangerine. Yes. I think yes. I wrote the Ford for Cold Tangerine. So yes. thank, thank you for you. letting me do it. Oh my gosh. Are you kidding? It was such an honor. When you text me, I was like, you, you did the sweetest like long form text of all the like, you don't have to if you don't have time. <laughs> totally. I was like, Shauna, <laughs> of course. <laughs> it was one of my very favorite books ever. So oh, I'm excited for you. people to hold them. So thanks for doing this. Yep. See you soon. Oh, friends, don't you just love Shauna? She is so the best. She's just the best. Hey, make sure you hop over to YouTube. Remember that's youtube.com slash Annie F. Downs, T-S-F. Like, that sounds fun to see us continue our conversation there. And make sure you follow Shauna on Instagram, Twitter, all the places. Tell her thanks so much for speaking into our lives today, for just being a fun conversation to be a part of. And make sure you grab a copy of these refreshed, recovered, beautiful books, Cold Tangerines, Bittersweet, and Bread and Wine. And if you need anything else from me, friends, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, all the places you may need me. That is how you can find me. And I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out or stay home and do something that sounds fun to you. And I'll do the same. And we'll see you back here on Monday with one of my favorites that y'all are going to love, Lauren Akins. We'll see y'all Monday.